it was the first time the world was going to see me and the first time the world was going to hear my voice and hear my side of the story but actually it was the first time that my whole family even found out that I existed like no one even knew I existed before that moment Hello and welcome back to Daddy Issues podcast with me and Harrod George Carey. Daddy Issues is a podcast exploring fatherlessness, but more specifically, fatherlessness in successful people. I want to prove that regardless of whatever daddy issues you think you have, you can achieve anything you put your mind to. Fatherlessness affects so very many of us, so it's time to start listening to each other's stories and opening up this conversation as one that needs to be recognised, heard and confronted. If you like what you hear, please do feel free (laughs) to rate, review and subscribe as I love hearing everyone's feedback, but more importantly, it gets the podcast to more ears apparently and the more ears, the merrier. If you already listen to this podcast, then you'll probably know that therapy is in fact a subject that comes up quite a lot amongst myself and my guests. Having been very open about it myself and having had a lot of guests mention that they went to therapy or that they found therapy very healing. I'd like to mention an incredible charitable fund called Black Minds Matter UK, which was set up just days after the murder of George Floyd and is specifically for black people with certified culturally competent black therapists. If anyone listening to this podcast has a few seconds of their day to quickly just go and donate anything that they've got loose in their bank to Black Minds Matter UK to help continue to support the black community and Black Lives Matter. Thank you so much. I'm going to let you get on with the episode now and I hope you have the most wonderful listen. In today's episode, I am speaking to Grace Carter. Grace is a singer and songwriter who at the ripe old age of 22 has already graced (laughs) the UK charts. I wrote that and then actually realized that that was a joke and I was like, that's quite good. (laughs) Starting with her debut single, Silence, in 2017. Her recent live shows have not only connected profoundly with her audiences, but also with fellow artists. For instance, after hearing Grace sing, both Haim and Mabel asked her to tour with them, as well as supporting Dualipa's UK and European tour, performing to 5,000 people and selling out at Brixton Academy shows. Grace found it a little surprising seeing rows of people in the crowds waving torches and crying to her ballads. When I read this, I was surprised by her surprise, as my own experience from listening to Silence was exactly this, as I sobbed uncontrollably, (laughs) genuinely, glued to my laptop screen, feeling both immensely connected with this stranger looking at me and the words of her song. However, I then realised how, when something is your own story, you don't realise the power that it has on others. Grace's music is incredibly honest, and honesty is what speaks to people. As you once said, Grace, my songs are saying all those things I couldn't say, all those thoughts that have been building up inside me. I want my music to connect with people in their rooms, in their cars. This album is me saying, you know what you're feeling? I felt it too. Here's how it sounded. Oh, I love that. <laughs> that was very nice. I enjoyed that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's literally, it's you. What's it like hearing your bio? Like, what's it like hearing all of that? Well, I'm like super hard on myself. So I 
Mm. I always like I'm very bad at taking a step back and looking at everything that I've achieved and being like well done like that's one of my work like I'm just awful at it and actually this time at the moment has kind of given me the opportunity to to give myself a pat on the back for like certain things that have happened and kind of reflect on lots of things that have happened but yeah I'm very much someone that's like okay I've done this I've done that what am I going to do next rather than living in the moment. Yeah. I'm not the queen of living yeah. in the moment. I'm like, what's happening? Where can I go? Like, But I really yeah. appreciate all of that. So before we go in, talk to me how quarantine's going and how quarantine life started for you. Yeah, so quarantine is a, it's all right. <laughs> not my favorite time <laughs> ever, but it's all right. No, I was, before I was on tour at the beginning of March and I was halfway through kind of, my tour I had a couple European dates left before we started the UK and we got back from Copenhagen and it was kind of like that flight back from Copenhagen was pretty spooky the airport was empty everyone had a mask on and I was like I don't know if I can do that I had a mathematic as well and I was like I don't know if I can do this I don't want to put my fans in a situation where they're in a room with like hundreds of other people and something bad happens I don't want that to happen so Mm. we decided to postpone the rest of the tour which that was kind of like a bad start to quarantine because every day <laughs> yeah. I was at home, I was like, I should be in this country right now. I should be in this place. But then <laughs> put that to one side. And then I kind of peaked pretty early. Like I was fully on my grind, like straight away, writing songs every day, filming videos, doing these different things. And then mm. kind of it's week, I think week 11 or 10 now that I've been in my flat it's given me time to reflect it's given me time to do the things I want to do I have my piano here I have a studio set up in my flat so that's great and my boyfriend also produces like all of the songs that I've ever put out so it means that really yeah oh my I know, god that's nice <laughs> it's very good it's but it's fun power couple yeah <laughs> <laughs> no it is amazing and it's that's the thing it's like within the first two weeks of lockdown I'd written my next single so which he's literally finishing next door right now. Oh my God, that's amazing. Yeah, just I was kind of going through these changes and I was feeling lots of different emotions and I kind of being on tour and doing that thing, I was kind of just feeling stressed and didn't really have an, my outlet wasn't there for Mm. me to use. Like I didn't have my piano with me. I didn't have any of those things. And then when I got back, I was like, although this is kind of crap, like I can sit and I can talk about how I feel now. And this song came out. I nearly said the name of it just then, but um, <laughs> this song kind of happened and that, that's been amazing. It's just kind of seeing and pulling that together in terms of just being in this flat and not really having any perspective, but going with the motions and trying to get it done. The good distraction. And my mum lives on her own, so she's been isolating on her own. So I kind of, at some point thought we'd come back together. I didn't think it was going to be after 10 weeks of being stuck in my flat. <laughs> it's literally mental. I can't I I can't decide if it's gone quickly or slowly I kind of think it's gone quick but at the same time like I'm like an emotional wreck these days I don't know what's going on oh my god I've had honestly from week to week I've had such different experiences (laughs) I know my boyfriend keeps calling me the roller coaster and I'm like all right okay it's um (laughs) turbulent time not sure about that nickname (laughs) yeah exactly No, it's, um... So just quickly on your boyfriend, because I'd love to figure out. So how we'll get into this anyway more, yeah. but 
that's amazing that he produces all your stuff. Yeah. So how did that happen? Have you been were you friends before? Yeah, we you were friends. Became we a met through music. Like we met because we had the same publishers years ago. We signed mm. a similar time. So I think I was like seventeen, and he was a bit older. And we met and we had done some sessions because my Henry is an identical twin as well. So it was me and his brother and him, and they're both producers. They work oh, that's together. Quite fun. Um, and we were doing lots mm. of sessions, and we were all just like best friends. And I think just because of the person that I am and the way that I write my songs and kind of what my songs are about, it's all based so much on honesty and my life experiences. And for me to be comfortable in those situations and for me to be comfortable in a studio where I'm sharing and I'm telling my story and I'm opening up, you do feel really vulnerable. And like, so yeah, then we we were super close and then, yeah, we just made music and then we were together. We've been together for three years and it's just, it's really special because I feel like I don't have to filter myself and I can Mm -hmm. just say whatever I want to say. And that's, hopefully comes across in the music is that I'm just kind of telling my truth and hopefully people connect to it yeah oh my god it definitely comes across it literally I I can't tell you so what gives me goosebumps watching your different music videos when I was doing all like my stalkery research I was like (laughs) yeah the silence video is definitely like an emotion well actually they're all in their own way that's the thing is like because I'm quite I'm a playful person like I'm not just like oh my god my Mm. life is so hard because it's not hard I know what the music is it's me kind of showing that because it's like I'm writing these songs about these experiences but I've overcome so much of that stuff and I'm like I want to show people that there is that light at the end of the tunnel and it's not just like darkness and sadness the whole time like you can overcome these situations and you can find strength in the situations and you can turn negatives into positives so oh my god you're literally the perfect person this is literally why I started this podcast (laughs) to get people like you on no but it's true it's true it's so easy to kind Mm. of like take your experiences and think that they define you and definitely at times like like in my life there are so many different Mm. triggers that kind of bring me back to my childhood and like little things and little conversations that will kind of I'll have this extreme reaction to because it kind of relates back to something that I felt before that's a bigger thing it's crazy I'm like Mm -hmm. a super emotional person but um Mm -hmm. that's why you're a musician yeah an artist yeah I mean (laughs) something like that yeah so if you just want to take me back to your childhood and what kind of setting was that where did you live and what was the sort of family dynamic yeah so I grew up I was born in London northwest London um in Kensal Rise um with my single mother who is the most incredible person in my life she's amazing and kind of she'd had like a really hard pregnancy and my dad left pretty much kind of like around the time that I was born so from the get-go it was kind of just me and my mum so I lived in northwest London and Childhood was amazing. My mum's fantastic and she did everything she could to kind of give me the most normal childhood, despite the fact that there was half of my family that weren't around. And I had a lot of questions. And I think especially being a mixed race girl and not having any of my black side of my family around to kind of physically relate to or have those kind of experiences and eat the food and do you know what I mean? And just like be immersed Mm -hmm. in the culture. I didn't have any of that. So my mum actually before I was born, had fostered a little girl called Renee, who is, she was, I think, 15 when I was born. And she kind of was around with my mum to help raise me. So she was like my big sister. And that she was from Jamaica. Gosh, she'd come, yeah, she'd come over from Jamaica when she was about three or four. And she lived next door to my mum. And they got really close. And she had a room in our house. And 
it was like my mum and Renee was like the sister who would do my hair because my mum didn't know how to do my hair and like all these little things. Yeah. So I, as much as I had like half of my family missing and kind of the black side of me wasn't really around, I had this older sister who kind of gave me all those things that I was missing and helped me understand who I was and that I could look at her and kind of see a bit of myself in her and that was amazing. So mm. grew up in Northwest London and then when I got to the age of eight, I was very angry. I was a very angry and frustrated child. I didn't really understand why I was in the position I was in. I think when when you're young and well in life in general, you kind of take out your anger and your pain on the people that are closest to you. And I think as a child, I definitely did that to my mom a lot. She had to work full time to be able to put a roof over our heads and pay for things. Like she was single parent. She did everything on her own. So she was constantly working super hard and I didn't really see her that much. And I think she carried a lot of guilt with that is that I didn't have my dad, but then I also kind of didn't have my mum either because she was working all the time. So mm-hmm. when I got to the age of eight and I was kind of a bit of a devil, um, she had decided <laughs> that we were going to move to Brighton because we had family friends in Brighton mm. and she thought I'd have a better way of life. I'd grow up a bit slower. She could be around more um, because she could get a nicer house. And so we moved yeah. on my... Brighton's lovely. Brighton's amazing. But like it's, it mm. is probably the best thing that we ever did. And we moved on my ninth birthday or my eighth birthday. So like around this time. So you can understand amazing. why May is... Yeah, the changes and everything. It's just, it's a lot oh, to, yeah. to deal with. So I moved to Hove actually mm-hmm. when I was... <laughs> the posh side. Yeah, the posh side. <laughs> and I'd started a school and kind of, I was just super confused. I just didn't really understand myself. I remember within my first week of primary school, I was in my class and my mum came and picked me up from school. And the next day a girl came up to me and she said, are you adopted? And I was like, I'd never even thought of it before. Living in London where kind of in my class at primary school, everyone kind of was a mix of, it was like everyone, it was never a question. I never even looked at myself in the mirror and thought, oh, like I look different to my mum. Why do I look different to my, I'd never even questioned it. And at that point I was like, wait a minute, like I am different to my mum. I'm different to all these people that I'm surrounded by. I don't understand who I am. And that kind of at the age of eight, which is super young, was where I started Mm. to ask all these questions and all these questions I was asking, bless my mum, she didn't have the answer to because she didn't know. Yeah. I didn't know where I came from. I didn't know where in Jamaica my dad was from. I didn't know any of these things. So I was kind of being asked all these questions by these new people I was meeting. And I was so frustrated because I didn't have the answer to them. And I was just so confused. I was like, I don't, I don't know who I am. I don't know where I come from. I feel like I've been abandoned by these people. Are you my real mum? Which now I'm like, I can't believe I even asked my mum. <laughs> I was her real daughter like that. No, that's hard. That must be so heartbreaking for both of you. There's so much I want to ask, but I'll start with what kind of questions would you ask your mum and what would be her responses? Well, things like, I mean, it's so hard when you're a single parent and now I can kind of see, like my mum and my dad didn't have a good relationship. They didn't have any relationship after Mm. I was, well, it was, anyway. Um, But Yeah, we'll go there. (laughs) But he, I would just ask, like, where, where's my dad? Like, where am I from? Like, are you my mum? Like, all these different, like, really deep and heavy questions that my mum, of course, was like, mm-hmm. she wasn't angry at me or anything like that for asking these questions. She was just, she would blame herself and just take on all of that responsibility and feel so guilty that, like, she couldn't tell me where I came from. She couldn't tell me who 
my dad's sister was she couldn't tell me any of these things that I was just constantly trying to find out and just wanted to know just to give myself that bit more knowledge as to who I was and mm-hmm. the only thing that she would say that would ever give me an ink like any understanding of my dad is like oh your dad pulls that face or something like that where right. I was like I because I had never witnessed God, it yeah and then she'd be like oh you really look like your dad and I'd be like oh, I don't know what my like I knew I'd I never it wasn't that I never saw him I did see him when I was super young and then I'd go like a few years here and a few years there where he wasn't around so yeah there was just lots of questions and mostly about identity yeah okay so I want to ask first I want to talk about all these different things that have come up but first let's start with your dad who's your dad my mum and my dad both worked for BBC my mum was there for like years and years and years and years and my dad was an accountant there and they had been together for a while and my mum had had me and I think at that point he he was always quite secretive and he always had other things going on and and my mum I'm quite like my mum in the sense where we just want to feel loved if you know what I mean it's just like that's kind of the Mm. way that we are which I think we all are kind of a bit like that but (laughs) so she had had me and I think it became very clear around the time that she was having me that she was going to have me on her own and she was very aware of that and that was something that she wanted and she wanted a daughter she wanted to have me and she knew that we'd have an amazing relationship which we do and yeah it was just very clear from kind of the get-go that it wasn't going to be kind of co-parenting situation it was just going to be her and that was kind of where my sister well Renee who I call her my sister that's where she came in where it was kind of my mum had sat her down and was like Grace's dad isn't going to be in her life like this is how I feel about it and my mum told me about this recently and Renee just turned around and she was like doesn't matter I'm going to help you do it like I'm here and yeah I know I know it's like (laughs) honestly for like a 15 year old who probably should be out like smoking weed and doing their thing (laughs) For her to like turn around yeah. and be like, uh, no, I'm yeah, like I'm here, like I'm gonna do this with you. I'm you're not gonna be on your own, like it's all good. Um, it's amazing. But yeah, mm. so growing up I didn't really have much knowledge of who my dad was or what he did, where he lived. I thought he lived in another country my whole childhood. And that kind of gave me a lot of acceptance because I was kind of like, Well, he's not here, so there's nothing I can really do. Like it's it is what it is. I have to deal with it. And yeah. It's not like he's choosing to be somewhere else with someone else. He's working abroad. And then I think kind of as I got older, I found out I had a sibling that I had never met. He, I knew his name and that was kind of my, that got me through so much childhood because I was like, one day I'm going to meet this person and one day I'm going to understand like who I am and I'm going to have a brother and I'm going to have this. And because I was an only child, like, I grew up as much as Renee is my sister. She was way older than me and she then moved out and whatever. So it was like, I didn't have a sibling. And then kind of just through growing up and constant letdowns, really. I just, I remember being a child and being like my childminders and my mum being at work. My mum being like, your dad's going to come and get you today and him not showing up. I remember less so like what it looked like. I remember the feeling that I felt in those moments of like being let down and feeling really excited that I was going to get the time that I was told I was going to get. And then it just being taken away from me over and over and over again. And my mum then like obviously felt the guilt of it and was probably like, we can't let this happen. Mm. So yeah, just uh, to be honest, my childhood was beautiful on one side and my mum gave me so much and I had a really lucky childhood. I lived in a really nice house and I had an au pair that lived with us and I had such amazing things and I was given so much time. But on the other side, I was dealing with this rejection and feeling like as a child, I wasn't good enough and 
I was never going to be good enough. And whatever I did, I would never get the attention. I would never get that ever. And I blamed myself for a lot as well. Like I kind of was like, Mm. they're not here because of me, not because of like a decision that they had made or he had made. Yeah. Yeah. They being your dad. Exactly. Yeah. And when you say, I didn't know where I was from and, you know, I didn't know who I was. I'm interested in that because obviously, you know, you're half of each parent Mm -hmm. and as, and correct me if I'm wrong, but as someone who's mixed race in society, you often get seen as and categorized as black rather than white. Yeah. And (laughs) so that, yeah. So that's like your strongest identity, if you will. Mm -hmm. So that's how, especially in Hove, which I'm assuming is like a predominantly white White, area. And like your white side of your family looking after you the most and raising you. So being other than with your wonderful foster or sister, Renee, yeah. you know, you didn't get much exposure to, as you say, like your black identity. No. So when you say like, I didn't know where I was from and who I was, is that, do you think that was like heightened by the fact that you were in society and school, like seen as, as black, but yeah. you didn't have that black role model? For example? Yeah, for sure. I think being defined by something you don't know is the most confusing thing ever. It's like, if I walked into a room and said, I'm white, I probably have a laugh in my face. Like if I walked into a room and said, I'm black, Mm. like it's accepted. And that's kind of what I'm like, I'm black. Like that's how I describe myself. Although Mm. I'm equally as black as I am white. And I think actually it's really interesting. Recently, more and more I've been writing like songs about my identity and those elements and those things in my life, because it's such a big part of kind of who I've become. And I think especially Mm. being in the music business where at the end of the day, you're almost like a product that someone's trying to sell. And for people to understand yeah. you it's like what are you and actually I've written a song recently where it's like I am both like I am me and you can't make me pick a side like I can be mixed mm. race and that can be totally fine and I can be some of those things and some of these things and that's what makes me me it's just like it's so there's this pressure that you have to be one or the other and you can't be both and I think when you don't know or when you haven't grown up with one side of your heritage being defined by it is confusing like I, I've had to read books yeah. I've had to ask lots of questions I the first time I figured out where I came from was when my managers bought me a DNA test and I could like see the breakdown oh, of where wow. I came from and that was only three years ago so and what was that breakdown I think so I was part Nigerian Guyanan I want to say mm. and then quite like a high percentage Irish like lots of different things that I would have never known about myself. Yeah, and it was yeah. really fascinating because it was like an, some answers. Obviously, it's not like 100% precise and it's not going to tell me like who my actual family are. But it was like the first time that I was <laughs> like, oh, this is like super interesting. <laughs> yeah, literally. Maybe that kind of percentage there has come from like my mom's side or like whatever. It was just really opened my eyes up. Mm. But I think you're totally right in terms of being mixed race and growing up in a predominantly white place. And all those questions and being asked those questions when I don't have the person there to answer them for me was really, Mm -hmm. really complicated. And it still is to this day. I think it will always kind of be to some extent. And actually speaking of that and the music industry, and as you say, like making your mark, like finding your identity as a product and with music, because obviously there's white music, there's black music, and they're really strong sounds. How does that work for you? And how have people tried to pigeonhole you oh. because you're mixed race? Yeah, well, how's yeah. that been? Like from the day I started releasing music, people needed to understand what I was and put me in a box. And I think that's for any artist. Mm. Like we're constantly pigeonholed, compared, put in a box. 
funny and I like this is just the world that I'm in but like I remember a couple of years ago I was friends with an artist who was signed to another label her manager got a list from her label of people not competitors but like these are the people Mm. that you're kind of up against there was not a white person on the list this artist is mixed race as well and every artist on the list was mixed race doesn't matter what music they were making it's like me in interviews and when I have conversations with people most times I'll be compared to someone who is black or mixed race over someone that's white that just never really happens Mm. for me and I feel like from the start I have felt like I've had to be either one thing or the other and I can't be both and actually there are so many young girls and boys that feel the way that I feel and have had the upbringing that Mm. I have had and I feel as confused as I have felt my whole life and I want to be the voice for those people that don't have the answers and probably never will but accepting that you are who you are and rather than being like yeah well I don't have the black side of my family or I grew up with the white side of my family being like well I'm in the position that I'm in and I had the childhood that I had and this is what's made me me Um, and be the voice for those people that kind of have felt the pressure their whole lives to pick a side when actually you can be both and you are both Mm -hmm. that's only been in the last couple of years I've come to that place where I've really like accept not accepted I hate that like accepted my blackness that's not doesn't make sense or like come to terms with or I don't know yeah, no, that's like embraced no embraced it where I'm like embraced yeah, embraced embrace both yeah. sides of me and kind of my experiences I'm not like confused anymore I kind of well I am I'll always be a bit confused but um yeah it is it's the music industry and I think probably most creative industries can be quite hard on that which is like just mm. taking you for what you look like and I remember releasing or doing a session before I'd released music and someone would get in my music and I walked into the room and they said oh I didn't expect you to be black what does black sound like yeah you could, I yeah. make the music that I make and I, I do the things that I do and I talk about my experiences and the things that I felt and I don't think that has a color that's mm. just being a human being and kind of expressing completely and I don't think we need to put a label on things people make different types of music and that's totally cool and there's also a really big issue not just in the music business but with the term blackfishing and and young white females tanning their skin and crimping their hair or braiding their hair to kind of mm. pass as black and that's a big issue in itself and I've come across it a lot in this industry right. and it's just kind of taking black features and using that trying to use them to your advantage when really it's like blackness isn't just like the color of your skin it's a culture so it's, it's a experience and our generations before us have kind of paved the way for us to have kind of the respect and the lives that we can live now and I'm still like a long way off but we're yeah. working in the right direction <laughs> don't get me started I'll start ranting but it's it's crazy. no 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 this is good rant away it's, it's, it's a mad it's a mad world it's an amazing world and I'm so lucky that I get to express my experiences and share my experiences but I definitely think at times just feeling like I have to be like everyone else or do the things that it's just it can be a bit much but speaking of so I was thinking this when you were speaking so most people who obviously grow up without a dad Mm -hmm. they will struggle with their identity but as you said you you also had that lack of your heritage which was also your strongest Mm -hmm. identity do you think that made you even more kind of crave that father figure than you might have yeah I feel like I was super obsessive over that whole relationship growing up like it took over my whole existence really my whole childhood was spent trying to be accepted and me and my mum talk about it quite a lot we're very open with each other about it because I guess it's both of our experiences and it's both of our lives but like that's all I wanted 
that's all I wanted. I remember just even talking about at the moment, like it's, it's my birthday in a few days. Every birthday, my mum would give me all the things in the world that she could give me that I wanted, the things that I'd asked for. And every birthday, I would have a breakdown and I would kick off and I would scream and I would shout at my mum. I'd shout at anyone that tried to talk to me because the one person that I wanted for my birthday wasn't there and never was there. So mm. that's kind of what my childhood was like, was I could have all the things in the world, but if my dad wasn't there, kind of didn't matter. And when you said that you sometimes saw him, when was that and what would those moments be like and how would that even come to happen? Yeah, it was never on my terms ever. He would just honestly just show up when he wanted to show up on the doorstep and or he'd sometimes say that so he wouldn't tell come. your mum not really no so my mum sometimes wouldn't even have a chance right. to prepare me for it like I grew up having counseling as well so it's like I would be on a good path where I was kind of like myself and I felt fine and then it was literally like a bomb had come and hit me every time it was like every time I started to get better and started to find my way of coping I was hit with this thing that would just come back into my life and everything would kind of feel like it was crumbling down again but I'd see him when I was super young probably quite a lot a lot being maybe a few times a year and then kind of as I got a bit older it became less and less and actually a few years ago I wrote a song called Talking Cars which was kind of about our relationship and how he would always come and see me and my dad collects vintage cars and he would come and see me in a new and I was so obsessed with these cars I didn't relate to him in any way I hadn't ever had him around so the one thing that I would do was I would practice, I'd learn every car type that would drive past when me and my mum were going down the motorway. And I would like, oh. I'd be like, oh, that's that. And that's that. So then when I saw him, I was able to talk to him about something. Mm. And our relationship very much existed in his car because he would take me somewhere and we'd drive for a couple of hours. We'd sit and have lunch and then we'd drive back. And I kind of saw it as this time where we would have these conversations, but there was no eye contact. There was no kind of face to face it was like he was focusing on something else and he would be talking to me but he would never be looking at me and there was never that real connection there almost like he was hiding from the truth and he didn't want me to look into his eyes and he would always have like sunglasses on and I would never really have that (laughs) connection there it was like constantly we were in like transit and I always knew and I was always so hurt and I always wanted to tell him how I really felt but I knew that I only had five to seven hours of his time and if I maybe in that time if I told him that he was really hurting me and I felt this way that maybe next time he wouldn't come back again and I didn't want to push him away and I didn't want him to feel like he was the problem and that he had hurt me so maybe the best thing was that he didn't come back into my life I still wanted him around and I still wanted him to come back and see me whenever he was going to see me but I was too scared to I never told him how I felt ever and that was kind of the time we spent was yeah just in in the car driving going to like a countryside pub for some lunch he would usually like buy me something and I'd always just want my mum to like take it back because I didn't want it I just wanted him yeah and then it maybe was a couple of years maybe a year maybe a few years and then he did it again and why do you think he did that why do you think he came when he was so absent even when he was present if that makes sense. I think I've kind of come to terms with a lot more as I've got older I wouldn't the thing is with my dad is I don't think he's a bad person I think his childhood looked really similar to mine as well I think he had a very similar experience with his own biological father I know that he had a stepdad but I think with his own biological father it was a very similar dynamic and he'd come to the UK and then I think he'd gone back to Jamaica for a bit and then come back and he he had this broken down relationship too so 
I can kind of, now that I'm older, I can kind of understand, well, not understand, but I can see why he was the way that he was and kind of saw that as some kind of normality and it was like fine. Mm. But he definitely had a lot of other things in his life and a lot of other people in his life that he wasn't necessarily open and honest about to me or my mum, which is only something that I kind of discovered later on in life. I saw him for the first time in six, seven years last year. I saw him and I think he feels extremely guilty. And I think, I don't know if it's just an excuse and he is just very good with words, but um, which he is, but he, yeah, I think he just was trying to protect me, but through trying to protect me by not seeing me. And he knew that he couldn't be there all the time, but just through coming back and like throwing that hand grenade and then like leaving and then not responding to any of my text messages. I'd like text him like, oh, I'm doing this like school play or I'm like, doing this show like I'd love you to come would send him the the poster or whatever and I wouldn't ever hear back from him so like my whole childhood was basically being left on red <laughs> which then now like even yeah. creeps into my life now like if that should be re- a song yeah left on red. <laughs> you know it's like my whole like life now like if someone leaves me on red it just becomes this like bigger issue where it's like I kick off and I get so mad and so angry and it's only when I kind of sit back and I'm like I felt this feeling before I understand that this whole situation and this whole childhood and all these things I felt as this kind of young young girl bleed back into my life all the time now yeah that's what silence about isn't it silence is well silence is a whole I mean there's a whole story behind silence I can share (laughs) so when you say your dad had lots of other things going on yeah what do you mean by that well I knew that he had another son but Mm. I always thought that he was just a bit of a shit dad to be honest I thought that maybe he wasn't in he just wasn't good at being a dad and he was in no one's life and I accepted that I was like as it's not just me he's doing it to my brother too and then about four years ago which is around the time actually the day that I wrote why her not me which is another one of my songs Mm -hmm. I had done some digging and I found my brother on Facebook and my best friend had added him on his Facebook And I remember I hadn't heard from my dad for a couple of years. And like, suddenly I got this phone call from my dad. Like my friend had just added this account and I got this phone call and I was like, this is really weird. Picked it. Well, I didn't pick it up. I threw my phone across the room. I was like, absolutely fucking not. Like not (laughs) dealing with that. Um, And my best friend Rosie like picked up the phone and she was like, oh, hi. Um, she had met my dad a couple of times and she is like the most savage girl ever like I fucking love her but she actually was the first person to tell my dad how he had made me feel through my childhood because she had witnessed it wow so she's incredible but yeah so in that moment I was like okay Rosie you need to take this call so she took it and my dad said like who added your brother on Facebook Rosie was like oh no I don't know what you're talking about and we both pretended we didn't and at that point that's kind of when I realized that like they've got to like be close yeah. for there to be a situation where within 10 yeah. minutes of my friend adding this person on Facebook, my dad knowing about it, it was just like, that was the, the mm. first time in my life where I was like, Hmm, this is really weird. I haven't spoken to my own dad for two years. That's really strange. And then, so I kind of didn't do anything about it, kind of sat on it for a couple of years. And then I remember my grandma passed away and I was like, life's really short. Like you don't know mm. when things are going to change. And I, I remembered I would always check up on this account that was my brother's account. And then one day I just added him and I sent him a message that was like, hi, like, I think I'm your sister. This was the year silence came out. So 2017. 
Um, I was like, hi, I think I'm your sister. This is my dad. Sent him a picture. And he was like, sorry, I don't know who you are. I don't have a sister. Like, I don't know. Oh, my God. Yeah. And then that kind of was like the moment where my whole world collapsed. Because mm. I was like, this is my brother and he doesn't even know I exist. And he was, my dad had brought him up, was living in the house. They were living in the other side of London to where I lived. And so the whole childhood where I was kind of like, oh, like he lives in a different country and he works abroad. He actually had another family and he had had another family. And my brother's older than me. So he wow, had, okay. so yeah, then that kind of all transpired. And me and my, my mum was not aware of any of it. At that point, not only did my Gosh. world crumble, but my mum's did. It was like, oh, I had a kid with someone that had other kids and had a family and I didn't know about it. So yeah that kind of happened and was really, really tough because we had accepted that we were in the position that we were in and we had, me and my mum had shared, spoken, got everything off our chest and then our reality or what we had thought was our reality completely changed. So that was super, yeah. that was really, really tough. Yeah. And did you contact your dad about that? My dad found out straight away. My dad, because of your brother. Yeah. So it wasn't like through me, but yeah. So I was actually meant to meet my brother for the first time and it kind of got intercepted quite a few times and it didn't happen. And then I did meet my brother, who is like the most amazing person. He's so lovely and just yeah. like he I like if anything, like I feel as bad for him as as kind of it is for me, because his whole his whole mm. life he thought was one thing and it was a completely different thing. But then in that moment I also when I went and met him, I found out that I also had a sister as well, who was older than me. Right, okay. So there's two siblings. Oh maybe. my God, that must have been such a brain fuck. Yeah, it was, it still is in a lot of ways. Like I definitely think mm. that, I, I mean, this only happened like a couple of years ago. This was around the time that I was releasing my first batch of music. So like I was obviously like sharing my story and sharing these things, but at the same time, like going through this immense change and like m the way that my mind worked and like my identity and who I was and the fact that I like had gone from being an only child to like having these two siblings that yeah want a relationship with me but I I and I had reached out in the first place but then I was like I don't know if I'm ready for that like I I my reality mm -hmm. and my world is not what this is I didn't understand and at times I'm like oh it was super selfish for me to reach out but I didn't know that was what I was walking into no yeah you didn't know what to expect no I had no idea also I feel like you can never really predict how you're actually going to react mm -hmm. like it's very it's so human to want to sort of obviously reach out to family members but then how you actually are going to feel when the reality when say even if someone then replies yeah it's like texting a boy or something or whatever texting someone and then just like pressing send and closing your eyes or whatever and then they actually reply and you're like <laughs> no but that was it it was like I didn't really I had no idea what I was putting my I didn't have any idea also going back to like when I would spend that time with my dad growing up and when we'd be in the car and in one of his cars he had like a built-in sat nav where like when someone's call comes through it like their name comes on the screen mm -hmm. and I remember every time I'd see him I would always try and like write down these names after I'd left him like I would just I'd see like a name come up on the board and I'd be like okay who's that and all I asked him and he'd be like oh that's my sister and then kind of when I started to find everything out like the person that I thought was his sister wasn't his sister and it was his partner and I was 
like an actual detective at the time <laughs> um which maybe I am like I, I really did find out a lot of stuff because I didn't have any information given to me I kind of had to do what I could to yeah you had to figure, figure it out. out yeah that also now will make sense I feel to why when your dad did randomly just turn up yeah. he was so shifty and why he like couldn't look at you or wore sunglasses because as you say there was this element of he was living a double life in mm-hmm. a way yeah. but he wasn't living a double life he was like dipping his toe into a double yeah. life every so often yeah it's like yeah and he so, got himself in a situation he didn't know how to get out of it and mm-hmm. also I would never say that he doesn't care about me because he does he does like a hundred percent he cares about me he's just made some awful decisions so I read that actually what I thought was like somewhat ironically and amazing on many ways but it was your stepdad I believe who gave you your guitar yeah your first guitar because he was a musician yeah and he wanted you to be able to express yourself so tell me a bit about that so yeah my stepdad came into my life when I was maybe 12 turning 13 and I absolutely hated him like I think pretty understandably I hated pretty much every man that came anywhere near me at that point I was like "Mm, no and my mum had introduced me to him and I actually remember we all laugh about now he came around to my house to meet me for the first time. My mum had like facilitated it. So all my best friends were there too, which I was like not having any of it. So she had brought him around and I was like, I took her upstairs to my room and I basically said to her, you've got two years to be with this person. They're old and odd and I don't like him. And that was like literally what I said to her. Actual psychopath. Like, honestly, I'm so sorry to my mum. She is incredible. And my stepdad. Old and odd. Yeah, that's, that was my reaction. And anyway, so he knew I felt all these things about him because I, I made it very, very, very clear. But he also had like a very similar childhood. His dad had left. He was raised mm. by his mum. He had a really complex childhood and music was the thing that he found and he's a musician and he started writing songs and playing instruments and doing all these different things and I think he had really figured that that was the one thing that really saved him from from losing his mind and kind of falling into this trap of being like his father and having these situations happen again so he saw a lot of my pain and was like well when I was still at school he didn't live with us straight away because I would have never let that happen um (laughs) I was like he's not living here But yeah, he had this flat down the road. And when my mum was working, she was still at the BBC at this point, I think. And um, I would go to his house and he had a studio in his flat and he would record me doing these covers. And then like gradually I was like warming to him. I was like, well, he's doing stuff for me that I kind of like him. Um, (laughs) 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 But I was like, oh, he's actually all right. Like he's giving me his time and he's showing me how to use logic and do these different things. Like I actually don't Mm. hate him. I don't like him, but I don't hate him. Um, and then he he, could be in my presence (laughs) he got me my first guitar and basically he knew how competitive I was too I was like a tennis kid so I used to train that was like my outlet I used to like hit balls like they were people that were Mm. pissing me off like I was just so (laughs) angry I was like hitting shit all the time um so he got me this guitar and was like you need to get some stuff off your chest like I felt like you Mm. before here's this guitar write me a song in a week bet you can't do it and I was like mm-hmm, hmm, I will show you that I can do it so I wrote this song I actually couldn't do it well I could but I couldn't because I wrote a song about not being able to write a song and it's called blank white page and I think the opening lyric was like Ooh. I'm staring at a blank white page and I'm on the edge of breaking so like super dramatic it was just 
Wow, love that. I just had teenage heart kind of. I mean, so I was, yeah, that was the first song that I wrote. And then after that, and realizing that actually I could structure a song and that I actually found it really fun. And I like being an only child and being in this house with two adults all the time and not really having anyone to like mess around with. I just got really bored and there was a one thing that I could do that made time fly and I could start in the morning and I could finish at night and it didn't feel like I was working or doing anything and I would just be enjoying the things that I was doing. That's kind of where songwriting started for me and then I realized that actually instead of writing songs about not being able to write songs that there was actually stuff going on in my life (laughs) that I could write about and then I wrote a song called Fairy Tale which was about the fact that I wish that at that point that my life was like this perfect thing. And I think being at school and learning and the school that I went to and kind of the place that I grew up in, like everyone's mum and dads were all together. Like in my class, mm. a majority of parents were together. And like, I remember this one point, there being this thing where like dads were taking their children like camping. And I like, obviously didn't have a dad. So I was like, oh, I can't really go. And I think all these little things like as a child and, seeing in books like reading books at school and seeing like the family dynamic being like a mum a dad a brother and a sister and me just having a mum I just wanted that like perfect kind of family whatever it was that we were told it was at that time and I yeah I wrote this song called fairy tale which was it was it's actually a banger like it's actually really is it well it's not it's like (laughs) it's like when I thought I was Taylor Swift which is so weird because I'm not a Taylor Swift fan but when I listen to it like now I'm like whoa (laughs) That was the first time that I'd written this song that was like, this is how I feel. And I remember playing it. I would do these little gigs and people would just cry all the time whenever I played it. And I was like, what the hell? <laughs> so when you first wrote that song, because obviously there's like classic teenage heartache of feeling lost and angry and confused. And, you know, everyone obviously has their own version of it, but some people's are accentuated because of circumstances mm. like yourself. But like, do you remember the feeling? Because I used to, I used to write songs, mm. and I that was the way I expressed as well. For me, it felt like I was I was singing, but I was screaming. If that yeah. makes sense, like it was like screaming out all this kind of stuff that I needed to express. Yeah. <laughs> and anyway, and I just wanted to know how you would sort of describe the first time that that happened. Do you remember like the feeling or the or the release of expressing yourself? through music like speaking your truth like do you remember that feeling do you remember what that felt like yeah for sure I think it just I've always been a super open person and I've always been able to talk to my mom like she's always been so easy to talk to but I also was very aware of the fact that the things that I felt she felt for the both of us I got to a point Mm. which she'd probably laugh at she'd probably be like you still gave me so much fucking shit but I would like not want to offload everything onto her. Like I was definitely feeling a lot more stuff than I maybe was sharing. And I remember, yeah, writing mm. less so fairy tale. I then wrote a song called Blackmail. That was like the real kind of like net, like the one for me where I really got everything off my chest. And every time that I played that, I would just start crying because it just felt like mm-hmm. it was kind of like this weird play on words. And then also just just my story of like. I don't know it just yeah it really did feel like my weight kind of had been lifted and I was super emotional about it but it felt like for the first time I was really dealing with the emotions that I was feeling and I was able to kind of like vocalize them and put them into words and kind of take them off my 
success. And also, I think from the get go, and as soon as I started writing songs, I always said, and I agreed this with my stepdad, because he was like, you've never been in love, like you're not writing any love songs, you're not doing that, because you haven't experienced it. And I was <laughs> like, you don't know oh. what it's like. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I was like, why? And then I was like, actually, yes. And then I write, would write these songs called like, not another love song, and like all these different things. And, <laughs> Um, the, the yeah literally like I was like anti-love anti-men it was just like awful <laughs> um but then yeah so I would like write these songs and I guess that's kind of where later on like all my songs why they came from kind of the place that they did is because the, one of the main reasons I started writing songs is to process my situation and to get things off my chest mm. and then it kind of like I started to make good songs and I started to sing a little better than I did before and it kind of just felt like this thing that just made me feel so free and like was the one thing at that time where I felt so like rejected and just like shit about myself it made me feel so happy because I was getting things off my chest and I was able to get them off me and just sing and like sing these melodies that I had made up on my own that I was so proud of myself mm-hmm. for doing and I I hadn't really felt that proud of myself before. I hadn't really had that feeling. I'd felt like like yeah. people around me were just disappointed in me. Although my mum would tell me that she was proud of yeah. me. And that's the thing, I was living for my dad's approval. Like it didn't matter what my mum mm. told me. It didn't matter that my mum was yeah. like, you're amazing. I just wanted that approval from that one person that was never going to give it to me. Completely. And it's that sort of self-torturous sort of cycle of destruction where you knew your mum loved you. You knew that, you know, even after you'd like shout at her or get angry that she still loved you and she was still there. And mm. it is that thing where we're so hard on ourselves because we make it that the that the thing that you can't get is the thing that you want the most. And so it's, yeah, yeah I know exactly that yeah. feeling. So hang on. I want to know, how did you take you playing your guitar in your room you know, expressing yourself to like eventually selling internationally. Selling my soul. <laughs> hit songs. Um, I... Selling your soul and your yeah. songs. Yeah, no, it was, um, <laughs> it was a really natural progression, to be honest. It mm. started in my bedroom with kind of, I start producing myself. My stepdad taught, like got me a laptop. Well, didn't get me that. My dad actually got me the laptop. Um, oh, did he? Yeah, which that's one thing I'm grateful for. Um, exactly. I could make Thanks, songs, Dad. But, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I got this laptop and then my stepdad would get me these things and I would record myself. I had like a microphone, guitar, piano, do all those things. Mm. And as I said, time would fly, would love it. And then it kind of got to, to A-level time and I was not very academic. My teachers all hated me, actually. That kind of wasn't working out. They didn't really like me. I couldn't really pay attention. I was a bit of the class clown. And I think that also plays on the fact that I just wanted to feel mm. accepted. Like I just wanted to have a place yeah. and I wanted people to like me. And so I knew I wasn't yeah. clever. So I just chat shit all the time. I was like, I literally had to teach myself everything for my GCSEs because I realized I hadn't listened for like three years. That was not fun. So I was like, okay, school's not my thing. <laughs> not doing that. Can't stand it. Nope. Uh, absolutely not. So then I decided that music was like the thing that I loved and like all the time that like my mom didn't really believe in homework or maybe she did but like I just fought it so much that she was like ah whatever you don't have to do it but I never did my homework and I would just write these songs so I was like that's just the thing that I love doing like I just love Mm. sitting here and playing my piano and 
and just talking about the things that I'm feeling, whether people hit, like at that point, no one would have heard anything because I never sang at school, like right. secondary school. So I was just embarrassed that people would like talk about it and think it was rubbish. And I was just so worried about what other people thought of me. Yeah, yeah. To get to get rejected again. Yeah, like this yeah. is literally my life. Like rejection is like, yeah. the most terrifying I want to talk thing. all about the rejection yeah, as well, by the way. so terrifying. Yeah, so Josie, now my best friend. We both decided to go to the same music college. So that was kind of where I was like, this is what I want to do. And I, within a year of being at that music college, so I was 17, I had got interest from a publisher that wanted, was interested in me as a songwriter. And these were all songs that I had made in my bedroom with Logic, like the, like the Motown oh awful God. version of a song. Do you know what I mean? Just like trash. But I think what people could sense from me was that I was... Um, I smell the potential. Yeah. <laughs> I think they could sense that I was just someone that wanted to talk and what like was honest and as much as maybe the songs weren't the best songs ever I think people could feel something from them and that was I think mm. for me personally in music that's the most powerful thing I don't care if it's got like the best beat in the world like I really could not give a shit I just need to feel something no, for I'm it saying, and I need to like yeah. emotionally it needs to emotionally resonate with me and then and then we're good but other than that I just I love music and I love I love different genres and there's different music for different times but it's important to me that I can connect with it and it, it has some sort of emotional significance in my life that's, that's kind yeah. of how I got into the music business and you were so young like 17 I mean you're still so young you're 22 but you're now an adult obviously yeah whereas then you were you were a teenager so yeah. that's like I mean what was that like do you think being so young and suddenly having probably quite a lot of big music people trying to like coming into meetings and sort of talking to you I don't know what was that like was that a really weird feeling yeah, it was, um, I mean, actually, what was amazing was that I had basically talking actually about like identity, I'd gone to school with a girl, another girl who's also like a sister to me called Georgia, and she's mixed race, her mum is African American, she's like me, she's mixed race, but she's very light skin and got ginger afro people would always wow. deny her of her heritage. Nice. And that's, I think where we came together was that mm. in our school, there were some black kids, but it wasn't very diverse. And we kind of gravitated towards each other. She grew up with her mum and her stepdad in Brighton. Her, I knew her dad lived in London, but I didn't really know anything about him. And one day she had said to me, she was like, my dad's in music and he really wants to hear like a song of yours. And I was like, okay, cool. Like, at that point I was kind of like, I'll send my music to anyone. And I sent it to her and she, <laughs> yeah, yeah. she was like, I'm listening to it with my dad now. And he absolutely loves it. And then we got like an email from him and he was the head of Stony ADV. And then it turned out that he was ahead of like this massive publishers. And so I'd met oh him. So God. that's, yeah, it was weird. But, um, and that so is random. insane. So random because we literally like grew up in Hove, like with our mums. And I don't, I'm not, I don't know if this is the same for lots of people that have had the similar dynamic growing up, but like I never ask people about like their dads, which is really weird. But like I never, yeah, yeah. If like someone's dad isn't around, I'm never going to be like, oh, where is your dad? Like I just wouldn't even ask the question. <laughs> so like, because the fact <laughs> that I hadn't met her dad wasn't really something that meant anything to me because I was, that was like my reality. So when it mm. turned out that that was who her dad was, and I think he had heard about like what I was going through and he heard that and felt that in my music. It was a mental time, but everyone that I was introduced to and then I signed specifically to someone within his um, publisher called Tim and Danny and they're two black guys and Danny I remember meeting him for the first time and sitting down with him and he had a daughter who grew up with his ex-partner who was a white woman and they lived in Hastings which is also a seaside town and I remember just sitting with Danny for the first time who's now my publisher and 
we were talking and I just remember just talking to him like he was my dad and saying these things that I had never really because he, he had a daughter that had a very similar dynamic it was like I just related to him so much and he related to me and really understood who I was and I think that's where I've been really lucky is that everyone that I've worked with and everyone that I'm surrounded by has like given my emotions like the time of day and has given kind of my situation the respect and and the patience that it's kind of needed because at the end of the day realistically like I'm sharing my emotions and they're kind of being exploited <laughs> um not exploited <laughs> but like it's like it is intense like I'm putting myself out there and like, yeah. that's the only thing that I know how to do but I'm sharing like my truth and my life and it's not just a song it's like why her not me I wrote on the day that I found out my dad had another family and chose to be with them over being with me as kind of harsh as that sounds that is my reality and that was what that song was is why did you want to be yeah. their dad and why did you not want to be my dad it's not her is like the the word but it's like it's a it's a bigger it's a bigger thing than that the whole thing it's a whole yeah. thing so I wanted to ask, what's it like after you release a song? Because your songs are so special because they're so honest. And I think, especially in like the pop music industry, that's not really a thing that's stressed anymore. Real speaking from the heart and real honesty is sort of gets forgotten over this like super produced tracks. Mm -hmm. But you'll still keep that. And with releasing a song, you are you are literally putting out a Everything. piece of yourself. Yeah to the whole world like your heart on your sleeve out there and what does that feel like for you like what how does that feel I I mean in in one breath it's like incredible because it brings me so much closer to people that listen to my music and also feels like a weight off my shoulders in terms of like just getting it out of my space and kind of out there and I can move on from it but in others it's terrifying it's so scary because it is my life and it is the things that I felt. And I actually, this leads to like silence. I remember kind of everything happening in that time and all these confused, like I was just feeling so confused and just meeting my brother for the first time, meet, finding out I had a sister that I had no idea about and all these different things. And I remember shooting the video for silence and it was like round the corner from the area that I knew that my dad lived in. The director knew, had like as well, had quite a, a similar situation growing up, I feel, or had like not a great relationship with her father. And I remember her saying, the camera is your dad. Like, this is your dad. Oh. Sing to the camera like this is the first time you've been able to say the things that you feel. And I just, like in the video, like all those tears, is not someone putting onions yeah. under my eyes. Like oh, that was no, me literally spots, like honestly. crying and like me being like, can you just turn the fucking camera off? Like, I don't want to do this anymore. And like the director being like, no, carry on. And like my best friends being there and me literally being like, <laughs> honestly, like I'm going to crash and burn right now. It was so hard in that moment. And it was so painful to just kind of like take myself to that place and like pretend the camera was my dad. Like I never thought that would be like something that is the camera. But actually it was so, mm. so, so hard. And then I remember putting it out. And feeling like it was like the first time that I was ever going to have my voice and say the things I wanted to say. And it was the first time I was going to be like the whole concept of silence, it being like, just tell me the truth. Tell Don't tell me what I want to hear. Just tell me, like, tell me the truth. I want to know from you what, like, what has happened. And me feeling like empowered and being like, this is the first time I'm like, got my voice and these things but then realizing very quickly that I was getting these messages from like aunties and uncles being like hi I'm your auntie or like I'm your and realizing that actually wow. it wasn't it was the first time the world was going to see me and the first time the world was going to hear my voice and hear my side of the story mm. but 
actually it was the first time that my whole family even found out that I existed like no one even knew I existed before that moment and just coping with that as like a 19 year old girl coping with the reality of the fact that none of these people like this was aimed at a group of people that I thought were ready to hear it but actually in reality none of them even knew that that was coming and none of them even knew that I was like living Mm. in Brighton with my mum and growing up and there was this like 19 year old girl that was a part of their family like no one knew about me it was so hard like it was so beautiful Mm. and so amazing because I felt so empowered and I felt like I I had this strength and although I was super young that I was I was confident in my emotions and I was able to express myself and I felt so proud of myself for that because I could just see these like young people and older people like messaging me and being like I felt like this too like thank you so much and Mm. all these things and it it does make you feel like you're not on your own and I I always say this to people and people that listen to my music when they message me like you have no idea like how much you've helped me and I've never had a song that I've related to like this before and actually I always want to respond and be like by you telling me that you felt those things too, like you don't know how much you're helping me because in this, when you feel those Mm. feelings, you feel like you're on your own. You feel like you have no one to turn to. You feel like you're the, especially when you're a child. I mean, like when you're young, every, every feeling feels so much bigger than it is. And you feel so consumed and absorbed by all these different thoughts and feelings. And it was really tough, but it was also really rewarding. And then it was tough again. And then it was rewarding Mm -hmm. again. And that's kind of been my whole career so far has been like, putting myself out there and at times I've been like I don't want to do that anymore but then I feel like I'm cheating myself and I feel like that's just not what I'm in this for that's not why I do music that's not why I'm an artist like it's not I'm not an artist to just like release a song that hopefully gets into like the top 10 like that would be amazing but I want that to be off a song that like really resonates and connects with people and has like that emotional resonance but I think that's what ultimately sells because that's what people want to hear. And like even me starting this podcast, it was like very much like a passion project because I realized no one was talking about fatherlessness that I knew about at least. And whatever your truth is, if you talk about that, it's so scary. But at the same time, it's exactly what connects us all. Because as you say, like so many people think that they're alone in and we keep hearing this but yeah everyone still feels it I think it's heightened in the world that we're in right now as well I think it's heightened in this whole like lockdown being stuck inside the only way that we have any human contact or can do anything is to like look online and like see that everyone is like oh my god here's me with my matcha latte like here's me doing this and that and like you do (laughs) in those times like even me I'm like I've been feeling a bit vulnerable And just like in this time, just looking Mm. at those things has made me think like, oh, like, oh, am I the only one that feels like this? It's like a reminder that actually you're not the only one. You're not in that. You're not the only one that feels that Mm. feeling or that emotion. And also I hope through my music for people is they realize that like it does get better. Like it will always be part of your life and it's always going to be something that's happened Mm. to you and, and a big part of your life. But I think for me personally, it's like, okay it's a massive part of my life because it's what a lot of my songs are about and it's what I'm kind of have been defined by which is fine but it's just making people realize that yeah as much as it's painful I've turned kind of a very negative situation and a quite negative childhood into a really positive one where now I have this voice where I can share and and kind of show people that it's not all bad and it, it will get better Going back to sort of the rejection and, you know, feeling not good enough, which is how you felt your whole life, even though, as you say, your mother very much like told you how proud she was. But as you say, it just wasn't coming from that parent that you needed it from. Yeah. Do you think that he 
on top of the fact that, you know, your experiences then fed into your actual music. But do you think that your drive and your sort of ambition and that sort of work ethic was consciously from that as well? You know, that feeling of not being good enough and and wanting to prove yourself at all? Or I don't want to put words in your mouth, but what? No, what I definitely, that, that, I yeah. definitely wanted to prove that I was worth something for sure. I think also my dad, like, whenever I did see him, it was very much like the conversations would be like, school based or like what university are you going to or like do you want to go to university just all these things and it was always that pressure and I think he also kind of like partly disagreed with the way that my mum raised me which is kind of a bit mad and he made that comment once and I was like that's just kind of a bit bold but um anyway um <laughs> no just in terms of like my mum was very she is always going to be my mother like I'm never gonna she's not my sister like she is my mum she's not my friend but she would encourage me to do the things that I wanted to do. And she let me do music. And she saw that that helped me so much and was like, encouraged me to do those things. And I think partly because I knew my dad didn't believe in my music and didn't believe in the things that I wanted to do in terms of the less academic Mm. side of things. I think, yeah, that definitely was like something in me where I wanted to prove to him that it was something that I could do and I could make something out of it. And I could, I mean, he probably didn't know that the songs were going to be about what they were about, but that's kind of what music is for a lot of people is like an outlet and I remember the last time I saw him before I saw him recently he said to me that I should be going to university and that he wouldn't if he was around he wouldn't have let me do music and at that point I was like you know what as much as my childhood was really tough and I felt rejected and I felt like I wanted my dad around like maybe it was best that he wasn't around because I wouldn't be doing the thing that I love doing. Has your dad sort of reached out to you about your music because obviously you know some people could read some of your lyrics like a breakup Mm -hmm. like silence and I love that I love that sort of and I think again that's what music's about is like putting it to your own story and I think silence is is that yeah we've all been ghosted once upon a time but with you know some of your music it's really evident obviously like why her not me and then there was don't hurt like it used to and, and the music video for that. And I think, what's your dad's reaction been to your music? He, well, he definitely knows about my I feel like <laughs> for someone that was a secret and hidden for so long, I've kind of gone the complete other way, which is like probably a lot. <laughs> it's like I've gone from not having a voice and not existing to like existing and being heard by more people than my, just my family. He has reacted to it before. And I think he definitely, I think probably seeing the Why Her Not Me video for him really made him understand what it felt like from my position growing up and the end of it is is representative of that moment that I figured that the reason that he wasn't with me and that he I was on my own was that he was doing whatever he was doing and yeah he has made comments and I think the maddest thing for me is that I've like had these messages and it's not a negative thing because I know that they're definitely not bad people but just kind of releasing a song and then having like a message from like an auntie being like, hi, I'm your auntie. Like, here's my number. Give me a ring. And I'm like, well, yeah, you're technically my auntie, but like, you're not my family. Like, I don't, I don't know you. I don't have that relationship with you. And, and I can understand from his perspective, like his whole family found out about his, like the whole situation through my music, really like his kind of secret kind of was, build when I started releasing music I mean he's probably hurt by it but he can't be hurt by it because it's the truth he's Mm. thing with my dad is he's not a bad person but he's extremely selfish and I can say that because I've seen it over and over again just the conversations that we've had I don't think he's a bad person but 
I think he'd probably take one of my songs as like a personal attack on him when actually it's just my way of coping with a situation that he's put me in. So this is potentially a bit controversial, this question. Have you ever thought that this pain that drives you, which maybe also then has gone in, which gone into music and then your work, do you ever think, God, if I didn't have this experience, would I be where I am now? And I know that that's a really awful thing to say because it gives some sort of that the person who's absent some sort of validation or or like well done you know for sort of (laughs) being absent this person's not doing (laughs) yeah exactly yeah but have you ever thought like what would I write because you're obviously an incredibly talented musician singer songwriter but have you ever thought what would I have written about if I hadn't had this experience I think I yeah for sure of course like I think kind of my situation and my lack of relationship with my dad has definitely been a big catalyst like my whole career so far like that's kind of that because that's where songwriting started and songwriting never started because I wanted to be famous or like I wanted to have my songs on the radio like that wasn't it at all it was because I wanted to get shit off my chest and without kind of the situation growing up I mean I love music so I feel like I would have come into music some way anyway but at 14 15 16 17 I wouldn't have had anything to write about and like even now when I hear like I'm, I get you can watch a film and be like I'm gonna write a song about that relationship on a film but I do think that actually my childhood and kind of my situation growing up definitely is a big part Silver of lining. Why, yeah of course mm. and that's what I always say is like I've gone and with the with the kind of encouragement from my mom and my stepdad and the love from like everyone around mm. me and as much as I didn't have half of my family like I have the most incredible family that I've created I've been so blessed to be able to do that where okay, maybe I didn't have half my family, but like my best friend is like my sister. I was just thinking actually, I guess everything's so relative. So if you wouldn't have had this experience then there would have been something else, do you know what I mean? Like it's like every teenager has their like angst and that kind of like thing that feels really painful. Mm-hmm. Um, yours happen to be like very legitimate. Um, but you know, for some people it's like a boy who, or a girl or whatever it is who like doesn't like them. But Wanting to know, so you wrote in Half of You, mm-hmm. one of your songs. So one of your lyrics is, I knew you'd be calling on me now that I'm, now I'm somebody. Mm-hmm. So I'd love to know a bit more behind those words. I wrote that song. When did I write? I can't remember when I wrote that song. <laughs> um, but yeah, I guess it's the fact <laughs> that when I kind of wasn't releasing music and when I wasn't an artist and when I was a little girl, whether it even be about music or releasing music, when I was little and insignificant in his world I guess um invisible yeah like why why didn't you care then and like why do you care now that I can like answer you back and like I'm a bit older like why not then it's like I literally hear why her not me like in every like sentence it's like but why yeah like why and I think I can relate to like my life now which is I didn't really see him ever and any of those things when I was growing up but like why now when I'm an artist and I release music and I have this voice and I I share my experiences like why suddenly do like these people that never cared about me before care about me now it just doesn't it just doesn't sit right with me it doesn't it doesn't feel authentic and it doesn't feel like a genuine relationship it just maybe feels like a cover-up yeah it's also still so new like it's such a it's really not that long ago that yeah. you had that sort of new family reach out. Yeah, and it's like so, that's all happened in the past three years of at the same time, like learning how to like be on tour and like have people listen to my music and like get more attention from different people. And uh, while dealing with all of those changes, which are incredible and like 
but they are like massive changes in your life like I'm I'm like a paranoid person naturally like when I would get on the tube and someone would recognize me or like say hey when that would happen I'd be like why is that person staring at me and like give them a look and then I'd be Mm. like oh my god it's because they like listen to my music and I think Mm. just like dealing with all those changes and then at the same time like having these people reach out that like I would have loved to have them in my life when I was younger but like it's a bit late now because of just things it's like it just is yeah. it's like it's been a lot to deal with like in the last three years silence came out and the last three years have been so incredible in so many ways and I've loved every mm. moment of it but I've also had so much stuff to deal with like so yeah. much stuff releasing these songs seeing my dad for the first time and since I was 14, 15. Take us there. Take us there. What happened? I think it got to the point about a year ago when I think it was coming up to like the BBC sound poll and there was all this pressure and I'd released Why Her Not Me and I was kind of like sharing these things and like my managers are so supportive and I love them to pieces and they're like a part of my family and they were so encouraging and they've always like given me the time with like my emotions because I'm very emotional. But I definitely think in some aspects, like I wasn't really getting the, I was getting like the push, but I wasn't really getting the emotional support that I needed from other people that I was kind of surrounded by. And as you said earlier, your emotions were then, you used the word exploited, but that thing of just being that like, exactly oh my it. God. Yeah. yeah. So, it's like, I give you my emotion and then it's just used, yeah. On that yeah, I felt like I was giving so much of myself and like there were certain people that were just running with it and exploiting it and kind of not, it's cool doing that, but like, give me the the support while you do it. Um, yeah, so, exactly. Let's, let's yeah. be partners in this. <laughs> so that was going on, and I was kind of going. I was like doing interviews, and I had just come third in the sound poll, and then I was like doing shows, and I'd come off stage at a show and do an interview, and it'd be like, so when was the last time you spoke to your dad? Like every time I ever like did anything, the like, what did your dad say about the Why Her Not Me video? Like. What did your dad say about silence? What did your dad say about this? What did your dad say about that? And then I realized, like, I hadn't spoken to my dad since I was 16. Like, just before I mm. got my GCSE results, I hadn't seen him. I hadn't spoken to him other than him when I had got in contact with my brother and, like, the interception. But, like, other than that, I hadn't mm. had any communication. And then I kind of got to the point where I was like, I'm talking about this thing, like, every day of my life. And I'm not actually – I used <laughs> yeah. to deal with it. It's I used like, to so cope weird. with it. Yeah, I used to, like, have this outlet. And I used to cope with it and deal with it and get it off my chest. And now it's my job. And now it's, like, my story. And I'm telling this story in every interview. And it doesn't feel like it's my life anymore. It just feels like a script that someone's passed me and I'm just – repeating Mm. and repeating and repeating and desensitizing myself and like taking the emotion out of everything and just saying the same thing over and over and over again which I wanted to do because I want that's who I am and I wanted to share my side of the story and I wanted to give myself and I wanted people to connect for what I had to say because I knew so many people needed to hear it but when there isn't that emotional support around you to like encourage you and be like that was great like just if you want to not do it, if you don't want to talk about it, like you don't have to. And I had that from my managers, but other people I didn't. And then it kind of got too much. I had met a songwriter called Coffee, who is from Miami. He just did like the whole Dua Lipa new album. And he's he's just like a really, really mm, wholesome wow. person and just like super spiritual, like a little like guardian Love. angel. And I remember I met him yeah. and he's black. I would always like my team a lot of people on my team don't really look like me and I hadn't really had like a lot of the conversations that I was having with myself with anyone else before and I kind of sat with him and have, was having these conversations and I think he had a bit of a turbulent relationship with his father growing up and he was like Grace like mm-hmm. I really think 
like you don't have to be like you're in my life like you're my dad like yay like happy families like none of that but I think you should talk to your dad like you haven't seen him in years and what if something happened tomorrow you might regret it and I that was kind of like playing around in my head again and again and again and I was like it's true like if something did happen to me I don't want a relation I don't have that in me right now like I'm 22 years old like I felt so much pain and so much rejection I'm not ready to kind of like mend those scars I can't do that right now but what I can do is I just need to hear him out and like hear his side of the story because up until that point as much as I had kind of figured out my situation and what the dynamic was like what he'd done where he'd been the kind of my detective work I hadn't actually heard it from yeah, him. I was just kind Your of other figuring job. out. Yeah, exactly. I was kind of just <laughs> figuring it out for myself. So I decided, like, I told my manager, I didn't tell anyone else. And I decided to go and see him for the first time in seven years. And I met him in a train wow. station in London. And it was so weird because when I was about to walk up to him, these two girls recognized me. And it was like this weird thing where it was like this mm. moment of, this thing that I hadn't ever done and I was going to tell my dad how I felt about him for the first time in my whole life and then it was like it was like the mixture of like Gracie artist and like Gracie actual real person and like yeah. the experiences that had like bled into each other but like I was trying to like figure it out and it, it just like was a really weird moment where I just wanted to like be a child again and I just wanted to have a conversation mm. and like really figure out like what went on and like it was good it wasn't bad and I think because I hadn't seen him for so long and I'd kind of like grown out of him a bit I felt like I could Mm. say the things that I wanted to say and I kind of expressed all these things and he expressed all his things and said his piece and I think just seeing him made me realize that I think as a child you build people up and it's so easy in the dynamic in, in this situation where you grow up without a parent that you kind of build this person up to a place where they become this godlike figure in your life that is there constantly like looking over you and like in every decision I make every emotional reaction I had to things it was always coming back to my father and I just remember in that moment realizing that like this guy isn't God like he's a man that's made like a lot of mistakes and he's my dad and like I can hold him accountable and responsible for these mistakes my whole life and I can be better towards him and I can hate him and I can feel all these different emotions but like that's not gonna be he is the person he is. He's like 50 years old. He's never going to change. Like, I can't, yeah. I can't like give. Is that the impression you got that he isn't going to change? Yeah. But I don't think he really realizes the impact and like the things that I felt because I never felt, as I said before, I never really shared with him how I really felt growing mm. up. So I think he kind of just thought he got out of it like kind of like easy. Um, <laughs> yeah. Little did he know there'd be like five really good songs out in the world yeah it was it was a moment of kind of I felt like I grew up in that moment um Mm. it was interesting because my boyfriend came with me he didn't come with me when I actually met my dad and I just I remember because I also like in terms of my have not having a relationship with my dad growing up I never thought I'd be in a relationship like I genuinely didn't Mm -hmm. think I was able to like love somebody or like be have like a man in my life like I never even I just thought I didn't fancy anyone. I was like, I fucking hate everyone. <laughs> like, I'm just not. Yeah, yeah. I'm so glad that you've come to this because yeah. I was going to ask you. I was like, I, was I like, don't want a boyfriend. Yeah, like? Like, I don't like. I don't like girls, but I don't like boys either. So, like, I don't know what I like. Like, I was just like, I don't really <laughs> yeah. know. All my friends laugh about it now. They're like, I'm the only one in a, like a long term relationship now, and they're all like single and doing whatever they're doing. And mm. I would always like 
date people and then be like, oh, no. Like, as soon as I, like, felt that I was falling for them, I was like, I can't do that because I'm just going to end up being hurt again. And it was interesting in that moment, mm-hmm. just bringing Henry along and, and my dad and my boyfriend meeting for the first time and, like, in this train station and it just being like in my head like it it was just so weird but also amazing because it was kind of like I found this like man in my life that has has like accepted me for me and encouraged me to be the person I am and I feel so comfortable around him and I never thought I'd be in that place and maybe I thought one day that person would be my dad but actually like I don't need that like I've got all these other people in my life that kind of fulfill not the father figure <laughs> but like you know what I mean that's no, weird I um I know what you mean. <laughs> And before that, you really were kind of like essentially your sort of daddy issues, if you will, that didn't make you sort of cling on to men. It made you literally get oh, away Oh, I was from the me. worst. Like, I remember my friends would have boyfriends and I'd be like, oh, why would you have a boyfriend? Like, that's grim. Like, why? <laughs> what? And my best friend Rosie but- had like a similar upbringing, like grew up with a single mom. Dad wasn't really around. But she like went the complete opposite way. Like she was seeking that validation. And like we'd have mm. that conversation. She would say it for herself. But like she wanted that male attention. She wanted to feel loved by a man. And like she needed that. And for me, I, I, I was the complete opposite. I was like, absolutely not. Like, no, no. And then anytime that I would get with someone, yeah. I'd be like, I'd like get with them. And then I'd never talk to them again. I was like a psychopath. Like I was actually like, absolutely not putting myself. <laughs> yeah. the, like I'm not no yeah because it it was obviously as much as it comes across maybe as like as you say someone who's being like harsh it actually comes from a place of just total fear and insecurity it's like a defense mechanism it's just that fear of being rejected again and like I was not in a place where I was strong enough to deal with that again and I think with my boyfriend now it was kind of like because we were friends before and because I was able to be so honest and open and like share my kind of experiences and things that I had felt and things that I'd been through as like a teenager even not even related to my dad and just different things that I'd been through and felt around the time that I met Henry it when I got together with him it was like he knew everything about me already and there was no judgment yeah I was gonna say you were already again going back to that term we keep saying but speaking your truth yeah which meant that you'd already kind of on that path of being who you were authentically and owning that yeah and I think that's probably what kind of let you trust him maybe was that he was still into you knowing all like your deepest (laughs) knowing how damaged I was (laughs) (laughs) no 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 no. but yeah I know what you mean because I I remember feeling that I was like oh my god that kind of thing where like my mum always used to be like you always I was like your friend like always needing validation from a man and my two sisters are like the opposite yeah. like, they did not and although it was different my dad died whereas like rejection obviously it's like it, abandonment yeah. issues are the it's same common, yeah like, exactly they still happen but it's a different way of happening different situation um exactly but like it was definitely um something I was like oh my god I've got so many issues I'm so damaged (laughs) and then I grew up and I was like oh no this is like felt by so many people like Mm -hmm. there's so many it's such a normal thing so many people have such a similar experience and do think oh my god am I damaged which is such a word that's thrown around 
especially at women. And Mm -hmm. I think it's such a horrible word because like as a child and a teenager, you do genuinely believe the things that you're told. I just empathize loads with that feeling of being like, oh my God, someone's going to see me and the real me and it's going to be like, uh -uh." Mm uh-uh. And finally like coming into your own and being like, oh. Yeah, feeling comfortable. Actually the real me's, yeah. And like, it's really not that scary. And I think it's it's 100% something that all my friends that I speak to, and even if it's like my friends whose parents have like got divorced later in life and they kind of, saw that kind of like negative relationship between their parents it's like I've seen that in some of my friends Mm, where they've been like oh I don't want a relationship like I don't want that so yeah it's something that so many people feel and I think it's something that a lot of people don't talk about as well they kind of just are like I remember being at school and the friends that kind of were seeking that validation I was like oh my gosh like that's a bit intense and like just like this judgment (laughs) but actually not realizing that like the reason they were doing it is because they just wanted to feel loved and they just wanted to feel like someone cared about them yeah exactly oh we're all the same yeah we're all the same. um okay so I should probably wrap now because it is actually I mean we could carry on way longer but anyway we should wrap <laughs> so I got the same question that I ask everyone at the end of their episode so if your dad was listening to this episode right now what would you want to say to him I think I first of all would say that I forgive him um I think it's always going to be in the back of my head and my childhood is my childhood and the things I felt I can't just like run away from them they're just that is just my as we said my truth but Mm -hmm. I don't want to hang on to like any negative feelings in terms of like hating anyone anymore and the thing that I would say is I forgive him probably will never forget but I do forgive him because we all make mistakes some bigger than others mm-hmm. and thank you as well because you made me a lot stronger and before we leave I feel like I mean there's so much more anyway I want to ask it's just because the time is crazy and I'm, it's you need to get on with your life is there anything else you want to say like before we leave the main thing for me over the last few years is that I've learned like a lot of patience with myself and like my situation and like there's been a massive part of me for the past year that's felt guilty that I've only released two songs <laughs> um, or like three songs <laughs> um but it's all been for like the good the like the right reasons Mm. and I'm just excited now that I'm like in such a better headspace and I've dealt with so much and I've had to like deal with so much that I'm I'm just excited to kind of share the next chapter of who I am yeah yeah the next page yeah exactly oh well thank you Grace this has just been so wonderful oh well I hope it's I hope I'm not like ranting too much Thank you so much for listening to my incredible episode with the even more incredible Grace Carter. I severely developed a girl crush over the course of the hour and a half or two hours actually that we were speaking. She's just so wise, so... She just feels like that kind of person who really deserves her success because she not only uses her platform for good, but she seems to just be so authentic and humble within it and I think she's a real 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 example for many 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 young people who have had the same struggles as her or similar struggles to her or can relate to her or resonate with her in some way and she can be someone who can really demonstrate how to conquer overcome and override your obstacles and to make the most out of them actually if you haven't already listened to Grace's single blame that has just been released i believe last friday so that would be the 17th or the 18th 
of July, then I implore you to go and have a listen right now because it is just goosebumps. It's goosebumps. It's amazing. I had it on repeat. I had it on repeat all of last week and that is not because I am biased and have a girl crush on Grace. It's because I fully adore the song. It's amazing. It's amazing. It also features the sensational voice and man that is Jacob Banks, who I am obsessed with. So um, shout out to Jacob. What a song that you guys produced, made, created over quarantine. And God, what a thing to be proud of. So well done and congrats and sending all the love. And thank you all for listening. And you're all amazing. And I'm so excited to show you the rest of season two now that we've started again. And hope that you've all been wonderfully well. If you've been affected at all by anything that's come up in the episode, I advise two places where you can visit. The first is Julia Samuel's website, www.juliasamuel.co.uk. The other place is www.untangle.life, which is for people experiencing grief. It connects you to a like-minded community and experts such as therapists, lawyers, financial coaches, and just helps you make loss a little bit less lonely and overwhelming. Thank you so much. And I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day or night.